This is your storyteller. I'm back with part two of Sweet Isabel Leaves Her Mother's House. It is my sincere desire today to conclude Sweet Isabel's life with her mother in this particular episode. It is my desire to do it. I do not want to have to do a part three. However, just sit back, relax, and enjoy because sometimes bringing an end to something takes a little bit longer. Even when you begin something, it takes a little bit longer than it would normally. So let's see what happens. But in any case, sit back, relax, and enjoy the last part of Sweet Isabel's life. Thank you for listening. After leaving my beloved Notion store, I walked up and down throughout the hollow, saying my goodbyes. Of course, I went back to the churches where I grew up and where I worked. I was sprinkled in the Methodist church just so that I could work in the church. Baptized in the Baptist church because I really did have religion. (laughs) I laughed out loud at my own self. I said out loud, girl, you really should be holy. Sprinkled in the Methodist church, baptized in the river, then baptized again in the church pool in the Baptist church. And then not many years later, baptized again in the Holy Ghost in the Pentecostal church. Good stars above, sweet Isabel. (laughs) But it was good. I was remembering my very first speech that I ever gave at church. I saw that speech in in our town's newspaper. I read it out loud to my grandmother. She liked it. She said, Boot, can you memorize that in a couple of days? I would like for you to say it at church. And, of course, I did. I memorized it. And even though the church already had their own agenda for that Sunday morning, my mother didn't care. She said, my baby's got a speech to say. Put it on the program. And the speech went like this. Dressing. It's not so much in the way you look. It's just the way you act. You may be pretty as a picture and be educated in books, but if you have ugly ways, it will surely spoil your looks. (laughs) I still remember that speech. That speech shaped shaped my life in a very special way. Why? because I endeavored not to have ugly ways. My mother was always reminding me, don't act ugly. Sweet Isabel, don't act ugly. What about you? How do you act?
Well, the days before I left, I could see my mother watching me throughout through the kitchen window, watching my every move as if she was trying to soak me up in her mind, as if she was trying to hold on to the memory of me. That's how it seemed to me. I was convinced that she was afraid that she would forget. Because we knew so many older people that lost their minds, that's what we called it, and could not even remember their own children that they raised and saw every day. I would not let her forget. I decided then and there that I would always write and call her a lot. I already knew that I would never, ever forget her. Not my mother. She was locked in my mind and in my heart. How could I forget her? She was too big in my life for me to forget her. Today, children forget their parents. They forget what their parents do for them. They forget the sacrifices that their parents make. I'm glad I didn't. We sat at the table eating, and she would just stare at me the entire time. And one day, I got kind of smart mouth, and I said, My dear, you better eat your food and stop looking at me. I knew that it was time for me to do something. I had to convince her that she would not be one of those people that lost their minds. I said to her, my dear, tell me everything that you know about me, everything, the good and the bad. She looked at me so funny, but then she began rattling off everything. Some of the things that she said made her laugh herself. She would throw her own head back laughing in that way that I loved. She told me of things that even I had forgotten. <laughs> and the two of us laughed our heads off. I noticed that she didn't mention the bad things. She didn't mention the bad thing that I did with the music teacher in the assembly. She didn't mention the bad letter that I wrote to her. And she didn't mention when I didn't win the state spelling bee. She didn't say anything about those things. But we laughed so hard about all the things that my mother remembered. And that night, I slept in the bed with her, and I hummed and sang until we both fell asleep. This time, she didn't say to me, don't you start that singing and humming, sweet Isabel. She just let me sing and hum. That would be the last time I slept in the bed with her until her death. I didn't sleep with her every night because I needed to talk out loud to God. The day before I left, Madea gave me a talking to. She tried to cover everything from life to death. Just talking, just talking, just talking. She talked to me about how to handle myself with my stepmother. 
Remember, sweet Isabel, she said, your father is her man, so don't go staking claim to him. Remember, sweet Isabel, he has other children that's been with him since they were young, and you haven't. <clears throat> the good Lord will show you where your place is in his life and in, and in your stepmother's life. Remember, sweet Isabel, she's not your mother, but she could be if you allow her to. She's a nice lady, she said, and she's a Christian lady. Remember, she's not me. She's not your little mother, and she's not your Auntie Becky. So please, just let her be who she is, baby. Will you do that, sweet Isabel? I said, yes, ma'am. I won't be in any trouble to any of them. And I meant that. I wasn't trying to be trouble. I wasn't trying to get in anyone's way or take anyone's place. Actually, I didn't know how to. She continued on with her reminders. Make sure you respect her and respect her religion. Remember your home training. Yes, ma'am, my dear, I understand, and I will remember. I really didn't know what stepmothers did. And really, to be honest, I really didn't want or need a step anything, but I would remember. Some of the children that went up north worked really hard to lose their accent, their southern accent. They came home talking so different, sometimes you could hardly even understand them. But I never wanted to lose my accent. I learned to talk and read and write stories in the South. I said speeches and taught Sunday school in my Southern accent. I fed the men on the chain gang in my Southern accent. And I was determined that I would not lose it, ever. Well, it's almost here. The time is almost here. The day before I left, I had already written a letter to my, ha- my hayloft. I know that sounds strange to you, but that's okay. As I walked toward the hayloft, I just wanted to vanish. I wanted to disappear off the face of the earth. My emotions were bigger than I could handle. Bigger than I thought they would be. I looked up toward heaven and I said, Lord, this is so hard. I'm only 14, Lord. This is hard. Harder than I even thought it would be. You see, I loved my life there. And now it was ending. Now I had to walk away. Looking toward the hayloft made it hard. It made it even harder. It kind of hit me that the people were not going to miss me. But it was me that was going to miss them. I would miss them. I would miss the smells. The sounds. The stories that the older people told. 
the trees, the hayloft, even the difference in the way that white folks talk versus how we talked. All of those things became the whole of what Sweet Isabel was. They made me who I was. Jesus, Jesus, help me to do this. I began to pray and cry and speak in a language that I had never heard before. I was full, almost to bursting wide open. I felt like a pressure cooker was inside of me and that the lid was about to pop off. I just let my mouth do what it wanted to do. Besides, I couldn't stop my tongue from speaking those words. I couldn't stop the river of tears that took over my eyes and owned them. I just let everything have its way. Away from here, Lord, who would know sweet Isabel? Away from here, Lord, who would even understand sweet Isabel? I knew that I was not crazy. Strange, yes. Crazy, no. But would they think that I was crazy? Who would write a letter to a hayloft? Help me. Help me, Lord. I already knew that I would no longer call myself Sweet Isabel. I would leave that name right here. I would use the name that my mother gave me. Sweet Isabel, that name had its time and place, and it served the purpose that God meant it to. It was too precious to take away from this place. This place that made me Sweet Isabel. I slowly climbed up into the hayloft with my letter and my pearl handle knife. I read the letter out loud to the hayloft. Yes, I did. As I thanked it for being my friend and bringing me joy and laughter. I thank the hayloft for allowing me to leap, to twirl and dance, and roll all over the hay. My greatest joy was up there in the hayloft. Daydreaming in the hayloft. Huh? Do you remember that podcast that I wrote? Daydreaming in the hayloft? I prayed my best prayer right there in the hay. And then I hid my letter deep in the hay and I placed bales of hay on top of it. Then I carved my name in the corner where I always sat. You were probably wondering, why did sweet Isabel have her pearl handle knife where the knife was for me to carve my name? I carved it there Sweet 
Isabel. I carved the year and I made a heart. The heart didn't look so good, but that was all right. I didn't want to walk out of that barn. I just wanted to stay right there. My feet would not move. I looked at that heart that was so broken up. It was broken up the same way that my heart was. I heard my mother calling my name, Sweet Isabel! Sweet Isabel! You can't stay out there forever. Come on to the house now and finish getting ready to go. Ready to go. Finish getting ready to go. Huh. That was the problem. Finishing this. Going away from this. I would say it one last time. And then I would leave it there. Damn, damn, double damn. Then I left and walked away. I didn't even look back at the hayloft. I just kept walking. My friends came by to say goodbye. And as a side note, I must let you know that most of my friends made something of themselves. They moved away to places like Chicago, Connecticut, New Jersey, New York. They got good jobs. My friends became preachers, teachers, doctors, nurses. Some became landowners, some beauticians. Junior, however, won a wall and was never seen again, except in my dreams. Junior remained in my dreams for many years. My friends were sad to see me go and we all promised to write each other. But of course, we never did. But I kept in touch with what they were doing through my mother and some of my friends and my cousins. My sister had been coming all week to see me, and then she spent the night with me before I left. We were afraid that mother would not let her. But mother said, I don't mind since you're leaving. I was so happy about that. We slept in the same bed together. My sister told me all about the things that she was doing. And wow, she was doing some things. She said, sweet Isabel, you better never do those things until you get grown. Don't make me come up north and whip your sweet Isabel butt. Doing those things are not for you, sweet Isabel, okay? I said, okay. I wasn't going to argue with her. I wasn't going to tell her that she was wrong. Because I knew I wouldn't see her for a long time. We lay hugged up in the bed this time. And this time, she didn't say that my breath stank. This time, she didn't say that I was too close to her. We just lay there hugged up. She kissed my eyes and all over my face. Then she kissed my lips. 
she was crying and I was crying. It would be many years later before I saw my sister again. By then she had married and had a, had a child of her own when I saw her again. I kept going to the highway to see the men on the chain gang because I wanted to say goodbye, but they were never there. So I never got a chance to say goodbye to them. I went by to Miss Ida May's house. Miss Ida May died before I left, but I went and sat on her porch. Come on up, take a load off and sit a spell. I could still hear her say those words. And boy, did I ever have a load on me. So I set a spell. And I set a spell. Just listening to her words in my ear. Come on up. Take a load off. And sit a spell. I wish I could have seen her before she died, before I left. But somehow, I guess that was life. But I enjoyed her when she lived. My mother came to see me before I left. She was so happy about my new life and the better opportunities that she claimed awaited me. She hugged me so tight and kissed me. She gave me money. I asked her if I would ever see her again. She said, yes. I will make sure, she said. It would be six years before I saw my little mother again. And then a year later, she died. My father, my stepmother, two sisters, two brothers pulled up in the car to get me, to take me up north. I was older than them by five years, five years from from the boys. I was five years older than the boys and about three years older than the girls. They all seemed nice and helpful. The sisters gave me instructions about what to do and what not to do up north. They schooled me about the snow, which I had never seen before. They mentioned that I would have to wear snow boots. They instructed me about the girl next door who was the same age as me. And they said to me that I should not talk to her boyfriend because she would be mad. (laughs) I laughed to myself. And then I said to myself, if I want her old boyfriend, I would get him. I would just simply get him if I wanted him. My older sister kept reminding me that 
the girls from down south didn't know as much as the girls up north, but that she would teach me. She would help me to know all about up north. I looked up toward heaven, and I really laughed. I said, Lord Jesus, she really don't know girls from the South at all. They all kept referring to down South, down South, as if it was a strange place, some foreign place. My brothers, the two boys, as I said earlier, I was five years older than them. They didn't say very much. Thank God for that, because my sister said plenty. My mother cooked a big meal and packed all of my favorites so that I would not get hungry. She gave instructions to my father and my stepmother. She said, don't try to re-raise her. She's already raised. Got good raising from me, she said. All you need to do is put a good roof over her head and give her a good education and keep her in church. Keep her working in the church. She's not a bench warmer. She cut her teeth working in the church. She loves to pray. In fact, I bet she can talk to God better than me and you both. She talked to him all the time. Let her talk. When you hear her talking to God, let her talk. And then remember, don't lay a hand on her for any reason. My father just stood there listening. Then he agreed to all of her demands. He thanked her for raising me. My stepmother assured her that she would take good care of me. When they were finished talking, my mother looked at me long and hard with tears in her eyes. I walked her back to the porch singing and humming. And I prayed for her that the Lord would keep my mother from being lonely. I too thanked her for raising me and teaching me about life. I promised her that I would get a good education and go to college and make something of myself. Bear with me just a moment. I watched my mother until I could no longer see her. I kept my hands out of the window, hoping that she would still be able to see my hand. My sister said, Sweet Isabel, you have to roll the window back up now because Daddy's got the air conditioner on. You may not be used to air conditioning in cars, she said, but I will teach you. I didn't know whether to say thank you or slap her light-skinned long face. But I said to myself, sweet Isabel, it's all right. Remember you were born for the storm. I kept my eyes closed. Then I saw the sign that said, 
You are now leaving Alabama. My heart broke. The tears rolled down my eyes. My sister reached over and held my hand, smiling up at me. She said, I have a big sister now. I said, you do. But don't call me Sweet Isabel ever again. Call me by the name that my grandmother gave me. She said, your real name, right? I said, right. She smiled and said, I like that name better. It sounds more like a real name than Sweet Isabel. I closed my eyes tight and watched my own self cry for the life that I was leaving behind, even for the name that I was intentionally leaving behind. How could that part of my life be over? How? I was so torn. I knew that I couldn't stay a child forever. I knew that. I knew that I had to experience growing up. I knew all of those things, and yet I feared that it would be nothing like the life that I had. I feared that it would never be like that life ever again. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, what I had was a glimpse of life, then another glimpse, and another, until there would be no more life at all. I said to the Lord, talking to myself and talking to the Lord inside of myself, so that's how you do it. I was about to turn 15 in a few months. But I already knew that that's how it was done. Life, I mean. That's how life was done. And I was getting a glimpse of life. There was something bad wrong. I was feeling something. Maybe I wasn't prepared for the storm. Maybe. With my eyes closed, through my tears, I sensed that I was going to lose the sweetness that made me sweet Isabel. With my eyes closed, I heard the words, innocence. Innocence. I prayed within myself as to what that meant. I saw with my eyes closed. I saw my tears. Just as Auntie Becky said, baby, she said, you're gonna cry many tears. (laughs) I was not even up north and already with my eyes closed, I saw myself crying tears like a river Tears like a river, tears like a river, 
With my eyes closed, I saw myself struggling to hold on to Sweet Isabel, the innocence of Sweet Isabel. But I couldn't hold on to her. I saw her leaving me. My sister was still holding my hand. She didn't seem to want to let me go. But I needed her off of me. But we were packed in that station wagon like sardines in a can. I was seeing too much, feeling too much. Something that I had never had as a child was smothering me. Something that I didn't even believe in rose up and was taking my breath away. It was fear. It was fear. Stark fear. I saw with my eyes closed the ugliness and the darkness of fear strangling the life out of me. I saw myself through my own eyes, strangling, choking. I struggled to open my eyes, and then finally, I was loosed. I looked around at everybody. Nobody even knew what was going on inside of my head, inside of my heart, inside of my very soul. I was hot. I was sweating. My sister was still smiling, holding my hand. I couldn't take it any longer. Daddy, Daddy, I said, I need to go to the bathroom. Can you stop somewhere, please? My voice was loud. His voice was calm. He said, sure. Baby, anytime you need to stop, just let Daddy know. We stopped. My sister said, I'm going with you. I said loudly, no, please. I need to go by myself. My stepmother said to my sister, let her go by herself. You're going to have her for a real long time. She needs to have some time to herself. She's a big girl. The minute I got inside the bathroom, thank God it was clean. I locked the door and cried out to God, don't you leave me. Don't let anything happen to me. Don't let me lose me. You promise that you will never leave me. God, I'm counting on you to hold on to me. Don't let me be afraid. They don't know me. God, who's going to know me? Who, Lord? I began to speak in that language again, and immediately I felt better. I didn't know that language. I didn't care. I just know that I felt safe. I felt close to the Lord. I thanked him, and then I washed my face so that no one would know that I was crying. They didn't know that my body was on fire, that my head was bursting, my heart was bursting. I almost forgot to use the bathroom. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, my Lord. Thank you, my helper. Thank you, my friend. I knew that what awaited me 
was not going to be over. It was not going to be good. But I still had the Lord. I would always have him. I felt certain that regardless of the changes in my life, he would not change. I accepted him as a child. And now I knew, I understood finally why I held so tightly to him. Because without him, I wouldn't make it. But I knew that I would as long as I kept him close to me. My sister was waiting outside the bathroom door for me. She grabbed my hand the minute I walked out and looked up at me smiling. But this time, I smiled back at her and locked my fingers to hers. She just wanted my smile and my love. I already knew that people would always want something from me. That's what I saw with my eyes closed and through my tears. I saw people pulling at me, wanting something off of me. But I also saw that they would never have anything to give back to me. Nothing to give to me. Nothing. Because they would never really know me. But God would always meet my needs, he promised. That's what I saw of my life, with my eyes closed, through my tears, that I would always cry alone. That was my glimpse of life. Stay tuned for my arrival up north. I am still the storyteller.